Welcome to House Calls, where we get to talk to investment bankers from Kane Brothers, a division of KeyBank Capital Markets. The Kane Brothers bankers are working in some of the most interesting segments of healthcare with organizations and business models that are changing care delivery in the United States. I'm your host, Dave Johnson. I'm also the CEO of Foresight Health. I'm a recovering investment banker who discovered I was always meant to be a journalist. We co-author a monthly thought leadership article with a rotating cast of senior bankers. Each piece becomes an exercise in examining a fascinating segment of the dynamic healthcare landscape. The focus of our articles and this podcast is on how to make America's fragmented, inefficient, and often broken system more integrated, consolidated, efficient, and customer-focused so it delivers greater value and innovation to the American consumers. Today, I'll be interviewing Wyatt Ritchie, who hails from the great state of Iowa. Wyatt is a senior banker focusing on post-acute care and outsourced services. He joined Kane in 2010 and has 23 years of experience in advising public and private companies in merger and acquisitions, capital raising, and strategic advisory transactions. His recent transactions include the refinancing of senior and subordinated debt for American surgical professionals and the sale of Santer Healthcare to Kindred Healthcare. Wyatt earned a BA in economics from St. Olaf College and an MBA in finance from the University of Chicago. Wyatt, welcome to House Calls, where the bankers are always in. David, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on. Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you, what drew you both into investment banking and into healthcare in particular? That's a long story. Do we have two hours to talk about it? Yeah, no. we got about two minutes. <laughs> I think the more interesting thing is obviously healthcare and the interest in healthcare. Investment banking is obviously, it's, it's enjoyable to work with companies dealing with strategic problems and opportunities. Um, as I reflect back on it, it's probably one of the more complicated industries that we have. And so I think if there's a one has a level of intellectual curiosity, you know, healthcare is an endlessly fascinating industry to spend time in. And that's clearly an industry that needs a lot of help and needs a lot of learning. And, you know, we're probably in a phase where outside industries are starting to have more of an impact on healthcare than they have historically. So it's going to be interesting to see where healthcare goes. So which presidential candidate are you advising on healthcare policy? In the next- <laughs> it is interesting, David. You know, that's really not been a topic in presidential politics in any significant way. So I think that it might not be this election cycle, but it's going to quickly become front and center again. The article you wrote together, which, by the way, was a lot of fun, you and I wrote together, Getting Urgent About Urgent Care, Health Systems Go Big on Retail, allowed us to, to kind of dig into a market-oriented aspect of the healthcare delivery platform. So for our listeners, let's just start talking about the emergence of these urgent care practices. How new are they? Why are we starting to see them everywhere? How big an impact are they going to have? how many are around the U.S. and so on. Why just why don't you give us your your thumbnail sketch of the urgent care sector and and how it's evolving? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it's not a new sector. I I think that urgent care has probably been around 20 or 30 years. What has happened, though, it's it's, it's definitely morphed um, for a variety of reasons. You know, I think the original emergence of urgent care was really a release valve 
for people who were going to the emergency room and having the pleasant experience of being in an emergency room, particularly for those that had the lumps and scrapes and maybe a broken bone that didn't necessarily need to be in an emergency room. And so I think the original kind of evolution of urgent care was really to fill that niche and do it outside of the hospital. And so, you know, that went along for quite some time. And, you know, a lot of it would be primary care physicians or urgent care physicians or maybe some companies that would start these, you know, offices or start these operations and maybe they'd open up a few locations. That was original urgent care, if you will. And I'd say over the last 10 years, maybe a little bit longer, the the business has definitely evolved. It's still doing the original kind of tasks that it was intended for. But given the access to primary care and the fracturing of historical patient-primary care relationships, but it's also filling a void of acting as a primary care physician. And I'd say that's, you know, you know where people are getting more interested and health systems are getting more interested is, you know, in that front door primary care aspect of what urgent care is evolving into. Yeah. So it's really gone from the dock in a box model, which was really just dealing with kind of small routine conditions more quickly to something that is much more satisfying to a lot of consumers, which is getting whatever they need that's relatively routine, including primary care services, when they want them on their terms. And, uh, you know, that's just another example of how consumer purchasing patterns are starting to wreak havoc with the healthcare industry, which has traditionally operated out of these very and continues to operate under these very large, complicated, centralized, and very expensive locations. As you know, too, and very provider-centric. The consumer has to conform their day around the provider, which for most services that we consume outside of healthcare, as you said, it's kind of when we want it, how we want it. and so those those aspects of consumerism are clearly moving into healthcare in more dramatic ways than they have historically. Well, I, I know one thing that struck me as we were writing these and kind of get to the 30,000-foot view of, of why private companies are, are front and center here is uh, these companies like Go Health and Urgent Team and Physicians Immediate Care, they run a tight operation. I mean, they have the footprints down to the inch. They have the staffing down to the individual. They watch their net promoter scores like a hawk. They use technology in efficient ways. And when you contrast that to the way that hospitals tend to build facilities and operate them, it's almost like looking at different planets. So maybe you could just talk about how the urgent care business is moving onto Main Street and into the malls and so on, pretty much everywhere you turn, and how they're starting to partner with health systems and how health systems, the smart ones anyway, are beginning to realize there's no way they can be as good at this particular line of service as, um, as these urgent care companies that do nothing but this and how they're starting to find each other. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. Clearly, when you think about Cardiac surgery versus coming in for a flu shot or coming in for a quick appointment, 
the dollars at stake are much, much different. The margins are different. And so a focus on efficiency and some of the things that you were talking about is just, you know, it's frankly, it's required to be successful financially. And it's really required to be successful when it comes to consumer event and environment. And so, as you said, a lot of these companies that have focused on are one operating in an environment where the dollars just aren't as great. You have to be much more precise with costs, particularly staffing. Staffing is usually a big part of it. And you need to be really adept at using technology. Once again, we're now in an environment where you can pretty much order anything you want um, on your phone you can, you know, track, you know, services coming to you or products coming to you. And so the consumer now is much more oriented to taking, you know, more control and more transparency. And as you well know, most of healthcare is not oriented towards transparency uh, nor simplicity. And so I do think that, you know, and as you talked about, these urgent care companies have been taking a lot of the lessons um, of of retail and of other aspects of consumerism and you know applying them to healthcare in an environment that is small boxes and low revenue and low reimbursement and trying to become as absolutely efficient as possible which is pretty much you know the exact opposite of what big health systems you know have generally been focused on as i said as you said it's big campuses and it's not efficient because the dollars have been in the system that they could essentially not be focused on efficiencies and it's kind of oriented towards you know the physician and everything's kind of oriented towards their needs and schedule as opposed to the consumer's needs and scheduling and so it's just it's just a fundamentally different environment but if you believe the world's going more towards that retail environment, you've got to figure out ways to capture that without totally reinventing yourself. And that was somewhat the genesis of our article. Yeah, so why not talk about it from the health system side? And, you know, we spent some time interviewing Trinity Health, and they're in 75 markets, you know, some huge number of markets, and are pursuing partnerships in several of those markets with, with urgent care companies, what are you seeing on the on the other side of that? And, and what do the health systems get out of it? And then what do the urgent care companies get out of it? And why are these sometimes marriages made in heaven and sometimes marriages made in hell, I guess? Yeah, well, you know, I think there's a lot of motivations for health systems to do this. And each one's probably got different priorities in terms of what those motivations are. And it's basic level, a lot of you know, health systems realize that the emergency room visit is not a particularly pleasant experience for most consumers, particularly those attractive commercial pay consumers that they're interested in garnering market favor with. And you come in with a broken bone, you know, want to get it fixed, but you're sitting there for eight hours and you know, just about when you're ready to go in for your setting, uh, another you know more emergent patient comes in. You got to go back into the waiting room. It, it's just it's not a great front door from a hospital point of view. And so there's some hospitals are very sensitive to to that and creating an environment that creates 
a more consumer-friendly front door for them, and they see urgent care as part of that. Others are more focused on broader continuums of care, wanting to be not only that back-end provider of high-end healthcare services, but move out into the community, have more presence, and start interacting with the healthcare consumer earlier in the system. And, you know, when you're a primary care patient and build that bond, you overlay that with potentially some systems getting into the risk game and wanting to then become more broadly evolved and involved with healthcare. That's another motivation. So as opposed to just staying on that campus and kind of being the last bastion of high-end specialty care, they're trying to move out and take more control over earlier stages of care and potentially manage risk. And as I said, that front door uh, primary care aspect of urgent care is an interesting way to do it. And so that's another aspect of how they think about it. Yeah, where, where does branding come into this, both the urgent care brand and the health system brand? You know, I would say I've always felt, depends on the health system, but a lot of health systems in local markets have got you know very good brands and very good reputations, and so we've seen you know a variety of models where you will use that brand as the lead on an urgent care site. You will see where you co-brand, and then you'll see in other environments where you know the urgent care provider is the brand in that market. It, it's still early in the branding game, I think, in healthcare. So I, I'm not sure anyone's got a particularly strong brand on either side, particularly outside of a single market. I'm not sure there's necessarily a national brand from a from a provider point of view that's got any particular strength right now. So I, I think that's evolving, and there's I, I've seen a variety of ways that people have tried to create brand. It does feel like it's still working itself out a bit. Well, I've got this idea, let me run it by you, that we've moved from an era where hospitals were independent entities and then in the late 90s we started to see the formation of health systems, most of which were holding companies. They started experimenting with this, this concept of systemness. Many of them have migrated to be more operating companies and trying to figure out what that means, a lot of it internal, less external. And I think the next evolution is is going to be what I would call a platforming company, a little bit like an Amazon uh, in the sense that what Amazon does is is, uh, it assembles capabilities, whatever achieves the best product, the most competitive price with the greatest service for the customer, and they sort of plug and play with partners and subcontractors to make that happen. And I'm starting to think with healthcare, at least for the the companies on the the real cutting edge here, they're going to be less concerned about locations and control and ownership and more concerned about creating a uniform customer experience with a strong brand. So pick your your health system. XYZ Health System will be your partner in health. Uh, They'll be on your phone. You'll have access to them at convenient retail services. If you need something big, you can go to one of their hospitals. But it won't be the heavy facility-centric in the future. And if you kind of generally agree with that, and my guess is you probably do, but feel free to disagree, that 
we're going to see these urgent care companies kind of plug in in this platform-like way within a seamless network that consumers can interact with 24-7 in whatever ways make the most sense. That's an interesting idea, and I can see some applications of it. The one challenge, and you know, I, I don't think it's an insurmountable challenge, but as you know, the interesting thing about healthcare is that a lot of it is such an intimate act. A surgeon sticking their hands in someone's body in that moment or seeing you in that patient's office or whatever, that controlling quality, controlling kind of what that experience is like, and it's also, there's a lot of labor involved, that it gets a little bit harder to do that than pulling a product off a shelf and putting it in a box or, or picking a vendor. But having said that, I think there's clearly some lessons, and I think we need to go more in the direction that you're articulating. So I wouldn't suggest that we should throw our hands up and say, oh, it'll never work, because we do need to integrate this. We do need to make it more seamless, and I've not seen yet whether it's a health a payer or a health system do that particularly well. And so maybe it will be a technology platform that does it, but we need to get there. There's no question about that. The redundancy, the the waste, the the costs that really are not needed definitely needs to be taken out of the system. I mean, we've got to clearly make the dollar that we spend on healthcare go further than it is now. And, you know, that pressure is going to amp up. And something like you're talking about, you know, I do think would help in that. And I do think getting the consumer involved in that. But the paradox of healthcare is, as I said, I mean, scale is important, but it's a very intimate service uh, that's provided with a lot of labor. I, I especially feel that way when I'm getting a colonoscopy. One of the more routine diagnostic procedures and you can get it done for 500 bucks in a physician's office where you take a few Tylenol and the, or you can pay five grand and get it done in a hospital with an well, anesthesia. Well, that's exactly. I mean, that's, that's where people just shake their head and, and there's no transparency around that. And that's where we could do much better than we're doing around just taking out some of those vagaries, which make no sense and they don't make any sense. Kind of bring it back full circle to where we started. I, I think as we start to change the way we pay for healthcare, so the more people that are in Medicare Advantage types of capitated programs or people paying full risk bundles in some form or another, um, that the buyers of healthcare are going to become more diligent in expecting value out of the system. And therefore, for routine things like you can get in an urgent care center, even if they are some of the traditional primary care services, why not? You know, if you're Trinity or another health system, partner with companies that can handle that part of the delivery system seamlessly. Make sure they're plugged into your electronic medical record. Make sure they've got great engagement with your patients. Make sure you're doing net promoter scores on it. I just think that's where the market part of this will have more and more impact is on these routine services where we have enormous price variation and really uneven service levels. Companies are coming in 
like these urgent care companies we profiled in our piece and are figuring it out. And so the question for the health system writ large is how do we take these pieces and put them together in ways that really deliver and delight those of us who consume the services? I agree with that. I mean, urgent care is one aspect of where we've seen health systems interested in partnerships. You know, it's a little bit of a variation of your Amazon analogy, but you know, I do think that we are seeing health systems beyond just urgent care much more open to bring in partners and aligning clinically and aligning economically to unify, but at the same time, to the point we raise, there's expertise out there that's not residing within you know the health system that can be brought to bear urgent care in our example to create you know a much better outcome than trying to do it on your own. And so I think that is one way we're seeing the health systems play a role and become kind of that unifying factor is trying to do partnerships with a variety of different companies around different clinical aspects of of the health system to get to a better outcome, a more efficient outcome, a better consumer experience, et cetera. Well, White, you've got as your finger on the pulse of retail healthcare, post-acute healthcare, some of these areas that are really going through disruptive transformation as as well as anybody I know, probably land with this question, but you know, you look out five to 10 years, is healthcare inflation still going to be going up at five to 6%? Will we see twice as many, five times as many of these kind of retail services? Will there be much more integrated care? Will consumers have a larger role than they have today? Look through your foggy crystal ball and tell us where you think these sort of bottom-up retail pressures are going to uh, take the industry in, in five years. What's it going to look like? I hearken back to one of the comments I had up front around presidential politics, there is no question that when you look at the Medicare forecast in terms of expenditures and where we are demographically with the baby boomers, that you know, we are going to very quickly have healthcare once again become a front and center issue because it's going to put just a tremendous amount of pressure on the federal government budget. Um, And so I think then it's going to come down to questions about what is the social contract? How are we going to deal with it? Are we going to let the market deal with it, which, you know, I would argue Medicare Advantage is a way that the market's dealing with it, or are we going to have it become just government fiat and make those decisions? That's that's a fundamental question that I'm not sure I've got, you know, the pulse on <laughs> the electorate as to where they would fall on that issue uh, once, you know, fully informed. Being a University of Chicago guy, I mean, I'd sure like to see the market more involved in solving some of those issues. You know, I think it despite sometimes it can get a little ugly, it it clearly gets to, I think, the right answer a lot further. And I do, to your point that you've raised, and I I wholeheartedly believe, I would just love for there to be more consumerism, more transparency 
injected into healthcare. I think that would go a long way to helping just at a first blush, eliminate some of these bakeries that we're talking about, you know, the $500 colonoscopy versus the 5,000. I mean, just, you just think about that applied across a whole variety of fronts. And to my earlier comment, I think we could make the healthcare dollar go a lot further by just dealing with some of that stuff and information and, and motivation and transparency with the consumer would really help deal with that. I call a lot of that behavior, you know, the $5,000 colonoscopy, I call that incumbent uh, behavior. <laughs> yeah, it's true. For whatever reason, we, we chose for there to be, you know, healthcare to be, you know, an employer-sponsored benefit and insurance kind of inserts itself into the decision-making process and government on the Medicare side. And so, yeah, it, it is the one area of our economy. And you think about it, it's the largest segment of our economy, which Consumerism does not have the market, does not have much say in how things get allocated. Well, and and I'll I'll end with this, but it's a funny business, right? In the sense that the principles in probably 90% of healthcare transactions really don't interact with customers. You and I go to the doctor, doctor tells us what to do, we do it, and somebody else pays for it. So we've severed that kind of buy-sell link and all the signaling that goes back and forth. Well, well, Wyatt, this has been a blast. We've been talking today with Wyatt Ritchie, a, a managing director at Kane Brothers, about the emergence of urgent care partnerships with health systems and why that's happening and what are the implications for healthcare when we actually care about price and service and outcomes. As I said, Wyatt works for Kane Brothers, which is a division of KeyBank Capital Markets and a member of FINRA and SIPC. Uh, So, Wyatt, thank you so much for being with us today. David, thanks. Always a pleasure. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in and catch us next time on House Calls, where the bankers are always in. Kane Brothers is an investment bank focused exclusively on healthcare. The bankers at Kane stand apart because of their deep knowledge of the healthcare industry and their practical know-how when it comes to executing complex transactions in all healthcare sectors. These include healthcare services, medical technology, and life sciences. I'm your host, Dave Johnson. I'm a recovering investment banker who discovered late in my career I was always meant to be a journalist and maybe even a podcaster. I'm also the CEO of Foresight Health and the author of two books, the most recent of which is The Customer Revolution in Healthcare, Delivering Kinder, Smarter, Affordable Care for All. I love talking to other revolutionaries who are driving change in the healthcare industries.